The UDR cast is not affiliated and does not represent any 12-step fellowship. I, Bill Ward, the host of the UDR cast, will be sharing my experience and my journey of recovery. That does include, but is not limited to, the literature contained in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps. Our guests will be sharing their own path to recovery and what has worked for them. The UDR cast encourages and supports all paths to recovery. Welcome everybody to the UDR cast. UDR stands for Uncover, Discover and Recover. My name is Bill Ward and I'm coming to you from the recovery capital of Canada, Calgary, Alberta. Here we are going to discuss everything recovery, different perspectives, different experiences, both with the people I know and with others from around the world. If you resonate with anything you've heard on this episode today, we ask that you share it with anyone who you think may benefit from it. If you have any questions or comments, please find us at billward.life and send us a message in the info section. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you are interested in more recovery content, you can find the buttons for the YouTube channel and other social media outlets on the homepage, and you will be redirected to those platforms. We can recover. One person, one family, one community at a time. So 101, um, 12 by 12, this much can be a fragment. This much can be a fragment of what is called meditation. Perhaps our very uh, first attempt at a mood, a flare into the realm of the spirit, if you like. It ought to be followed by a good look at where we stand now and a further look at what might happen in our lives where we're able to move closer to the ideal we've been trying to glimpse. Meditation is something which always can't, uh, which can always be further developed. It has no boundaries either of of width or height. Aided by such instruction and example as we can find, it is essentially an individual adventure, something which each one of us works out in his own way. But its first object is to always is always the same: to improve our conscious contact with God, with His grace, wisdom, and love. And let's always remember that meditation is in reality intensely practical. One of its first fruits is emotional balance. With it, we can broaden and deepen the channel between ourselves and God as we understand him. Now what about, now what about prayer? Prayer is the raising of the heart and mind to God. And in this sense, it includes meditation. How may we go about it? And how does it fit in with meditation? Prayer is commonly understood as a petition to God. Having opened our channel as best we can, we try to ask for those right things in which we and others are in the greatest need. And we think, and we think that the whole range of our needs is well defined by that part of step 11, which says knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Our request for this fits in any part of our day. In the morning, when we think of the hours to come, perhaps we think of the day's work and the chances it may afford us to be useful and helpful, or of some special problem that it may bring. Possibly today, we'll see a continuation of a serious and yet unresolved problem left over from yesterday. Our immediate temptation will be to ask for specific solutions to specific problems and for the ability to, to help others 
people as we have already thought that they should be helped. In that case, we're asking God to do it our way. Therefore, we ought to consider each request carefully to see what its real merit is. Even so, when making specific requests, it will be well to add to each one of them this qualification, if it be thy will. We ask simply that throughout the day, God places in the best understanding of his will that we could have for that day, and that we be given the grace by which we can carry it out. As the day goes on, we pause when situations must be met and decisions made and renew the simple request, thy will not mine be done. If at these points our emotional disturbance ha happens to be great, we will, we will more surely keep our balance provided we will remember and repeat to ourselves a particular prayer or phrase that is appealed to us in our reading or meditation. Just saying it over and over will often enable us to clear a channel choked up with anger, fear, frustration, or misunderstanding, and permit us to re return to the sunrest help of all. Our search for God, God's will, not our own, in the moment of stress, at these critical moments, if we remind ourselves that it is better to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved, we will be following the intent of step 11. Okay, I'm pretty sure we read most of that at the end of our last session. <laughs> Oh, for fuck's sakes. Fuck's sake. I know you don't. Okay, so we did read most of that at our last session, but I'll touch on a couple things. On the top of 102, it talks about the first fruits of meditation is emotional balance. And I, I, I can't stress that enough. Like, what meditation has given me in my life but I think the emotional balance really didn't come till about three years into the meditation practice, like serious emotional balance for me. Um, part of my journey, I guess would, I would say is I've never really had anyone really guide me like in a really good way. Like I know Jesse and I, we're really trying to like really help guide you guys in a good way where we're giving you some practical application. We're sharing a lot of experience of, of our step 10s and our step 11 stuff. I never had any of this, right? So a lot of my journey was trial and error on my own. Um, so I wish I would have had somebody that was able to guide me more in a meditation sense and a prayer sense and an inventory sense. But, you know, at the end of the day, there was a lot of learning and struggling on my own. But what I will say is if you are newer, and you do practice these precepts, especially the meditation combined with the inventory in your prayer, you will probably grow fairly quickly in this program and in your life. And what took me three or four years, you could probably have in a fucking year or two or three if you're really practicing these precepts. So the emotional balance, I'd say, is probably one of the greatest gifts that I've gotten out of my practice of meditation. And, and it's something that doesn't really get noticed right away where it gets noticed is when you stop doing it then you start feeling the restless irritable discontented and the balance that you had acquired over the disciplines of your meditation you start realizing holy shit i'm feeling spiritual malady again and then you're like you start tying connecting the dots and and realizing that it was your meditation that was really trying to help ground you 
so that was really important for me as I kind of went into my third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh year here. Um, now on to the other page, page 103. Okay, top of the page, thy will not mind be done. At these points, our emotional disturbance happens to be great. We will more surely keep our balance provided we remember and repeat to ourselves a particular prayer or phase that has helped or appealed to us in reading or meditation. Just saying it over and over will enable us to clear the channel choked up with anger, fear, frustration, or misunderstanding, and permit us to return to the surest help of all, our search for God's will, not our own. So what I've really noticed in my sponsorship is I've come up with a, I combined two pieces of two steps. I put the literature together. One of it is in step four in the big book. And the other part is in step 10 in the 12 and 12. And what I talk about is I'm like all people are emotionally ill, spiritually sick, and frequently wrong, just like me. And when I give this to my sponsees, it's kind of something that I, I want them to really remember when they're struggling in a resentment or they're hitting a tough spot in their day where typically most of the tough spots that we run into are based on a relationship with somebody at some point. And so I really love to give them all people are emotionally ill, spiritually sick and frequently wrong, just like me. And when this is repeated over and over and over, it actually starts breaking down the resentment. It breaks down the judgment, breaks down a lot of the defective character and allows some compassion to be built for whoever is causing you the disturbance and it quiets the disturbance within your own mind so to me that's a really good one another one that i really like to use when i'm praying i might pray for a whole bunch of different people or someone specifically but i don't really know what's best for anybody so i always qualify it with if it be thy will and even when I'm praying for myself, I'll pray for myself in the sweat lodge, I'll pray for myself in the morning, any time of the day. And there's certain things that I'd really like to see in my life, right? Whether it be some type of a material good, or a break in my business path, or, you know, a relinquishment of defective character or a relationship that I might be looking for. But I always qualify it, I might ask for it. And then I say, if it be thy will, because I don't know what god's will is at any given moment really if but i'm i'm pretty sure that once i learn the lesson in whatever one of those areas are that i just described to you i've noticed once i learn the lesson i actually let go of the resistance of whatever it is i usually get what it is that i was looking for but not until i've learned the lesson and a lot of the lesson comes through the experiences and it being presented in front of me over and over so that's it good stuff we did do a little bit of a rehash the emotional balance i like what bill said because it is fairly accurate like the amount of growth it is funny with the guys that we sponsor the amount of time it took us to get certain steps i would say their progress if they're really at it they could short up what me and bill got in two three years these guys can get in a year year and a half you know, when step 11, the latter steps were fucking very tricky. It took a lot of pain. Like for me to get emotional, emotional balance, I think Bill said two, two, three years. That's where I was at two, three years. And it wasn't like, 
Like I would say it was the continuation of being able to stand firm no matter what was going on from a sanity standpoint that, you know, my life could be crumbling down in front of me. Like I could be perceiving that that's happening or it could actually be happening or my life could be absolutely great. And no matter what was going on, I was able to stand firm in that. I was able to stay sane, rational, and I was able to keep, keep on the disciplines. But I would say the biggest thing that enabled me to do that was keeping up the disciplines no matter what. That means that I am doing inventories no matter what. I am praying and meditating no matter what, and I'm sponsoring no matter what. And then I was able to walk into some of these treasures. But emotional balance took quite some time. I see it in my guys maybe around a year, a year and a half. By the time they get 12 stepped under me, generally there's six months, depending on where they are. So that's a solid year working from the information out of the book that I gave them. And a lot of the times I see that maybe two years or so. We simply ask that throughout the day, God places in the best understanding of his will that we could have for that day. And that we be given the grace by which we may carry it out. I think that this piece, and if, if at points our emotional disturbance happens to be great, we'll be more surely keep our balance provided we remember and repeat uh, to ourselves a particular prayer or phrase. Both these pieces kind of go together. The first piece that I read can be that particular phrase, right? What they're talking about is, so how do I handle the morning, which is right out of the big book, the directions they're giving you. And then what we're speaking on is throughout the day. So they're adding a little bit more to the thy will be done, right? When I'm doubtful, when I am irritable, right? I am thy will be done. That's what, and then, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm in much less danger of fear, excitement, worry, depression. You know, I'm able to disperse my energy properly, right? And so just look, trying to seek and do God's will that comes out of the step seven that we had chatted about that main ingredient of humility fits with the first piece that we're talking about. The second piece, you'll find a lot of people will try and use the um, uh, serenity prayer. That's fairly common. And so where that could be beneficial is step 11, right? So you read the big book, as we chatted about this process, like you read the big book, you go through the 12 steps, then you read the 12 and 12, then you're on step 11 in the 12 and 12, after already being 12 step, then they give you this. What you'll find, you'll find a lot of people try and sober up off the serenity prayer. Has anybody ever seen this or heard this? Well, I guess it depends on what meetings you're going to. But I had seen people trying to use the serenity prayer from one to four, trying to keep them sober when from like a will, from like a willpower standpoint, uh, instead of obviously just doing the steps, getting to step 11 and being able to do this. Bill's talking about the piece of, uh, I think it's step 10 where, you know, emotionally ill, spiritually sick, right? And the piece that I use, the piece that I like my guys to use is God is everything or else he's nothing. And it's interesting, like even, you know, even in my own, like just recently in my own career, you know, I just started this job maybe six months ago and I've been working pretty, pretty hard. It's a sales gig. And, uh, you know, I've been packing in a lot of time and nothing's really, sometimes transactions take a while. And I've ran into a law where there should be transactions and there's not. But 
it goes in such a way, such a unique way that not only is it bad, but it gets worse. And so for me, when it's, when it's bad and then gets worse, I see that is, that is God very simply. And then when it's good and gets better, like just the other day, I got three sizable orders from this account that I've been dealing with for, you know, maybe three months. We've been back and forth on numbers. We finally get the numbers right. And then a month later, they put in like three massive orders, right? So when it's bad and gets worse, I can see God in that very easily, you know, because it's a stark contrast from just a normal everyday idol, right? Or when it's good and gets better, it's very easy for me to see God in these two areas. It can be very tricky for me to see God right here, right? So in order to see God from a med meditation standpoint, and as I go through the day standpoint, we simply ask that throughout the day, God places the best understanding of his will that we can have for that day, and that we be given the grace by which we may carry that out. Is there any questions on that? Right. Of course, it is reasonable and understandable, but the question is often asked why we can't take a specific troubling dilemma straight to God and in prayer secure from him sure and definite answers to our requests. This can be done, but it has hazard. We have seen AAs ask with much earnestness and faith for God's explicit guidance on matters ranging all the way from a shattering domestic or financial crisis to correcting a minor personal fault like tardiness. Quite often, however, the thoughts that seem to come from God are not answers at all. They prove to be well-intentioned, unconscious rationalizations. The AA, or indeed any man who tries to run his life rigidly by this kind of prayer, by the self-serving demand of God for replies, is a particularly disconcerting individual. To anyone questioning or criticism of his actions, he instantly props his reliance upon prayer for guidance in all matters, great or small. He may have forgotten the possibility that his own wishful thinking and human tendency to rationalize have, have distorted his so-called guidance. With the best intentions, he tends to force his, his own will into all sorts of situations and problems with the comfortable assurance that he is acting under God's specific direction. Under such an illusion, he can, of course, create great havoc without in the least intending it. We also fall into another similar temptation. We form ideas as to what we think God's will is for other people. We say to ourselves, this one ought to be cured of his fatal malady, or that one ought to be relieved of his emotional pain. And we pray for these specific things. Such prayers, of course, are fundamentally good acts, but often they are based upon a subsistion that we know God's will for the person for whom we pray. This means that side by side with an earnest prayer, there can be a certain amount of presumption and conceit in us. It is AA's experience that particularly in these cases, we ought to pray that God's will, whatever it is, be done for others as well as for ourselves. In AA, we have found that the actual good result of prayer beyond question, they are matters of knowledge and experience. All those who have persisted have found strength, not ordinarily their own. They have found wisdom beyond their usual capability. And they have increasingly found a peace of mind, which can stand firm in the face of difficult circumstances. Okay. So going back to page 103, we started in the middle of the page. I'm going to go down about to the three quarter mark on the page. 
You know, it talks about uh, God's explicit guidance on matters ranging all the way from shattering domestic or financial crisis to correcting minor personal fault like tardiness. Quite often, however, the thoughts that seem to come from God are not answers at all. They prove to be well-intentioned, unconscious rationalizations. Really, really fucking important stuff. When I talk to you guys about how it takes quite a long time to understand self, this is kind of describing how self is hidden under good intention. And it takes time, man. Like we're talking two, three years at least working a solid program to start understanding self, okay? Well-intentioned, unconscious rationalization. The AA, or indeed any man who tries to run his life rigidly by this kind of prayer, but, and I think because somebody doesn't understand self, they will run their life and their program on this rigid type of prayer. And it talks about running his life rigidly on this kind of prayer because they do not understand the selfish, self-centered nature and they don't really fucking see anything wrong with it. But over time, as you work this program, as you work the fundamentals and you're using your pillars and your sponsors and you're using your inventories and you're asking for help, you start seeing how cunning and baffling and powerful self can be. And when it talks about rationalizations, unconscious, that means you can't see it and it's a rational lie, okay? By this self-serving demand for God replies is a particularly disconcerting individual. To any questioning or criticism of his actions, he instantly proffers his reliance upon prayer for guidance in all matters, great or small. He may have forgotten the possibility that his own wishful thinking and the human tendency to rationalize have distorted his so-called guidance. And many, many people will do this. And, you know, I think I did this in my first while. And I can still do this. But the way that I get out of this today is because I will put, if it be thy will. And I understand that I don't really know what's best for me, but God does. And if it be thy will, because God knows much better than me what's best for me, then, then I can accept whatever the situation is. Why? Because God is everything. He is, I get this, whatever it is that I'm praying for, or I don't get it. So that's really important. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to kind of just blast, do a blast from the past and go back to page 60 for a second. And I'm going to read this piece on page 60 because it kind of talks about what we're talking about. The second difficulty is this. What comes to us alone may be garbled by our own rationalization and wishful thinking. I, get, I will garble my own selfish, self-centered desires within my thoughts and think that this is God's will. The benefit of talking to another person is that we can get his direct comment and counsel on our situation whatever that might be. And there can be no doubt in our minds what that advice is. Going at it in spiritual matters alone is dangerous. How many times have we heard well-intentioned people, there it is, claim the guidance of God, there's what it was talking about in that step 11, when it was all too plain, they were sorely mistaken, lacking both practice 
because this stuff takes practice. And I think most of all, humility, lacking both practice and humility. They had deluded themselves and were able to justify the most errant nonsense on the ground that this is what God had told them. It is worth noting that people of very high spiritual development all, almost always insist on checking with friends or spiritual advisors. It's saying people with very high spiritual development that really walk a path, they fucking almost always insist on fucking bouncing their ideas off of other people, right? With friends or spiritual advisors, the guidance they feel they have received from God. Surely, then a novice ought not lay himself open to the chance of making foolish, perhaps tragic blunders in this fashion. While the comment or advice of others may be by no means infallible, it is likely to be far more specific than any direct guidance we may receive while we are so inexperienced in establishing contact with a power greater than ourselves. And what I see constantly over the years is there's people that, you know, get some time in and they think they got a direct channel to God and everything's fucking, oh, I'm talking to God. I'm talking to God. I'm talking to God. I got the direct download today and they're like six months sober, yeah, you know, channel. fucking step four, step five. And like, I can see right through that shit. And it, it is always wishful thinking, man. You know, I think it's a great idea to fucking date this woman. I'm at step four. God's put her right in my fucking path. This job from fucking Fort McMurray was just given to me today. And, and uh, you know, God's gracing me with all these gifts. The step nine promises are coming fucking true, Bill. And I'm like, no, bro, they're not. You are diluting yourself and you are rationalizing the most errant nonsense. These are fucking lessons for you to fucking follow a path and not do those things because they do not produce what you're looking for. Trust me. But once somebody has that like self has asserted itself, they're gone, man. They're going to do what they want to do. So I have an example. I won't go into great detail on it, but recently, like yesterday, somebody called me with a dilemma that they had. And they expressed what the dilemma was. And it was about moving out of town and taking this business opportunity that seemed really good. And it's like the opportunity of a lifetime. So they told me the whole story of the last few months and what's kind of happened. And I said, I said, you know what? There is selfish, self-centered decisions all over this right from the very start. I'm going back fucking eight months in your recovery and you are making total decisions on self and you are leaving yourself totally open to be hurt. You are, you are going to pull yourself into other people's drama. And this is probably not going to end off good. And I really strongly recommend that you don't follow through with any of these ideas or plans to move or this business opportunity. None of this is good, but you know what? I, I waited a day and I checked back in. They're going for it. They're going for it. And, you know, this is just what people are going to do. When the ego has reasserted itself and people think they know what's best for them, they're going to do whatever they're going to do. But that is fucking banana peel trail. And, you know, I wish them the best and I hope that I'm actually wrong, but I can see major disasters coming down the pipe here. And, 
And I hope it works out well for them. I, I really do. But I can't see it. I can't see it. There's going to be a lot of people hurt in this situation because self has already hurt some people in the same situation. And, it ha and it's not even close to being over, man. Because the fucking temptation, the carrot of the money, the carrot of the, the status, the carrot of all these things is driving this person very blindly. Anyway, so... Uh, Bill, Bill, sorry, I just have a question. Yeah. So uh, I've heard you mentioning several times in a meeting the idea that, uh, so I'm guessing what you're talking about right now is the theory of God sticking to your ego. That yes. you think I've got God, right? I've heard you say that in meetings. So now the best way to overcome this um, when you're new in recovery, right? Like I'm just almost getting one year now. Uh, when you're new in recovery is to speak to your sponsor and speak to your pillars before you make a major decision. Pretty yeah. much. Okay. Yeah, 100%, bro. And, and why? And you okay. touched on it because the theory of God. The ego attaches to the ideal of God. And then these decisions or these downloads that people get are based in the delusion that they can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if they only manage it well. And then they, they tie this into this as God's will. But really, when you peel back the layers of what they think is God's will here, you'll always find a selfish, self-centered motive based in fear. You'll find a self-seeking motive based in what it is they want. But we so have a such a guy will see that. Pretty right. much. A God-centered person. Right. Okay. Okay. It makes sense. Yeah. Right. Okay. And yeah. like the best bet for new people is take your idea, whatever it is, and go bounce it off four or five pillars. See what they say. Right. And uh Got you. anyway, I'm gonna keep going. Um second paragraph on 104. We also fall into another similar temptation. We form ideas of what we think God's will is for other people. We say to ourselves, this one ought to be cured of his fatal malady, or that one ought to be relieved of his emotional pain. And we pray for these specific things. Such prayers, of course, are fundamentally good acts, but they often are based upon a supposition that we know what God's will is for the person we pray for. This means that side by side with earnest prayer, there can be a certain amount of presumption and conceit in us. So when I was in the program in the first few years, I had really tried to, you know, think I knew what was best for my ex-wife and for my kids and for the people that were really close to me. And I would express what my thoughts were on what my kids and my ex-wife should be doing. And I was, I had the best of intentions and I thought I was doing everything really well. But what I, what I noticed was they were getting more sick. No matter what I tried to do to try to help them and try to guide them. And, and you know, I would kind of do it from a step back, but I was still kind of prying and managing it to some degree. But then a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, at least with the ex-wife, the kids, it was earlier. I just said, you know what? I think it was this part in the book, actually, and the book that I read called Seed of the Soul. It said you don't really know what's best for anybody. Everyone's on their own journey. So let them be on their journey and you just fucking be there for them if they need you. And once I took my hands off and I actually let it go, then they asked me for help and they all went on the same path, but I keep my hands off of it. I don't tell them what to do. I don't know what's best for my daughters. I don't know what's best for my brother. My brother's in active addiction. He's, he's doing hard drugs and drinking. And I've just left it up to God. I don't know what's best for him. I do pray for him, but I always qualify with it if it be thy will. 
Cause I don't know if my brother is meant to fucking get sober in this lifetime. And, and my own selfish self-centeredness. <clears throat> yeah. I would like to see that. I would like to have a relationship with my brother, but this is God's world, not my world. And, and I've had to like really stand back and just be an observer in, in this relationship and just let it go how it's going to go. And if he doesn't get sober, you know what? That's God's will. If he gets sober, then that's God's will too. I don't know what's best for anybody. So I don't really pray for anybody for anything specific. And if I do, I always qualify it with, if it be thy will. And what is it? What has that done for me? It allows me to break the attachment or the string that I will hold on to in any relationship of what I used to get value from. Cause it's when I hold on to a relationship of any kind, there's always something that used to give me value in it. And it's usually based in emotional security of some sort. And I'll hold on to that. And I want to fucking, I want that still. But what this prayer, what we're reading here is done. It's allowed me to cut that little string and just be okay. I don't know what's best for anybody. And the relationship moves on, on its own merit, not with me fucking involved. And it works out much better that way. Um, and then I'll just f finish with the bottom piece here. All those who are persistent and have found strength, not or ordinarily on their own, they have found wisdom beyond their usual capability. And they have increasingly found peace of mind, which can stand firm in the face of difficult circumstances. They're all matters of knowledge and experience. So what prayer has done for me, it's really given me something to lean into. You know, in this we agnostics chapter it talks about had we not been leaning too heavily on reason for that last mile and we didn't like to lose its support and we couldn't step from bridge to shore so what prayer has actually given me it's given me me the ability to to let go of my own security and my own security and my own reason and my own will of staying secure and it's given me the capability to jump off a cliff without a parachute and fucking let the parachute open if God has it open for me. And it's allowed me to gain some traction in my, my recovery over time where God was just a small, tiny little belief. And that belief grew into some faith. And when I looked at the track record, which was about 18 months to two years, and the book was also part of that faith and track record, and at the 18 months or two years, I was like, this fucking book has changed my life. And I'm going to let this book wholeheartedly run my life. And through the directions and me getting to that jumping off point where I'm like, fuck it. This book has done so much for me. I'm going to see what else it can do for me. And essentially it's God. And I've been able to fucking just jump off. And then I found what this says here. I find the strength, not ordinarily of my own. I don't have the power. If I had the power, I wouldn't be fucking here. I need God's power. And, and I can stand strong in my faith with my creator and fucking, and have this belief here today that God is everything, good or bad. And it doesn't matter what it is, because it just is. And then it allows me to cut these attachments and just be okay with fucking the world the way it is. I don't get involved in many political things. I don't get involved in anything. The only thing I really get involved in is if it affects my autonomy. 
if it affects my fucking governance of self, that's the only time I get involved in something outside of myself. Anyway, that's it. Okay. So quite often, however, the thoughts that seem to come from God are not answers at all. They prove to be well-intentioned, unconscious rationalizations. And so this is, we were chatting about meditation first. We're chatting about specifically asking for things and then the intuitive thoughts or the inspirational thoughts that come after, right? And so Bill had made the connection to step five to what we're talking about and just in the way of talking to somebody, right? So when it comes to step five, for the most part, when people come into the rooms, you know, they run into step five and it seems to be fairly understood that you are talking to somebody. That is the step that you talk to somebody, right? But as I had mentioned before, step 10 and the latter steps, that seems to kind of fall by the wayside. And it is of the utmost importance that even for me today, when I get inspirational thought or I get intuitive decision, that I'm running that past my pillars. And in early recovery, you know, an individual's pillars can be, you know, a, a little a little crooked as well, right? Like you're going to want to make sure that you're getting some God-centered pillars. You know, you're going to want to make sure that, you know, they're not active with newcomers or they're not doing, you know, crooked things in career. Because quite often you'll see, you know, guys do that in the first year or two, right? Maybe working under the table, doing what they have to do. Uh, you know, involved with newcomers, you know, maybe dealing crazy shit like that, but a little bit more like involved with newcomers, for example, right? That's, that's a good example. You're going to want to make sure that these guys are God-centered or these individuals are God-centered around you. That way you could get the best information, the most grounded information from those individuals. And it is often that guys will sought out people that would just justify their nonsense, right? Justify their errant nonsense. Um, so then it all looks like a, you know, nice tight bow as they're going to do what they're going to do. You know, without exception, I've had guys come to me, just about every guy I've sponsored come to me with something complete nonsense like that. Like Bill had mentioned, you know, God put this woman, you know, in my path or, you know, God put this in my path. And, uh, not to say that God doesn't do that. This is what I want to say on that is that God does do that. But from a sponsor's point of view, you know, when you could pick it apart within five seconds of him giving you all the information, that tells you all you fucking need to know. Like what, what me and Bill are talking about is that they're bringing up something that is so fucking glaringly wrong that there's really no question, right? And like what I'm talking about is like, yeah, God put this woman in your path. You know, you're shy of a year sober, She's brand new. This is her first meeting, never been into the program, right? Or you ended up just getting fired from your job, right? You've been out of work for X amount of time. You are on step four and you're going to go to Fort Mac, right? Like those things where it's just so glaringly fucked. Now, you know, if a guy wants to work out of town, he's 12 stepped in over a year. You know, we'll have a good discussion about it. We'll come up with a good plan. Fucking go. Right? Like, I do believe that, you know, we could go anywhere. Free man may go without disaster. You know, just so long as we keep a certain simple attitude. I do firmly believe that. I don't believe the program 
would have been able to get out as much as it did all over the world eventually if we didn't do that. I mean, early on, there was a lot of, you know, traveling traveling salesmen was a legitimate thing in the 30s, not so much now, but, you know, these are some of the ways that the program was able to get out. So when well-intentioned, unconscious rationalizations, this is like Bill had mentioned, and I agree, this is one of the biggest things that will trip even me up. Like if I think I can't do this, I am fucking sadly mistaken. This is where, ideally, this is where I'm going to get the most pain out of my life. And so for many years of my, of my recovery, and even still today, uh, a lot of the bigger decisions, career, finance, health, uh, some reputation, relationships, all of this gets still ran through pillars. For many years, every, every larger financial purchase that I would make would get run through my sponsor and pillars because I still had, you know, financial amends to make, right? And uh, so very, very fucking important, very important. I do always love particularly disconcerting individuals right? As in God told me to do it, right? If anybody's, you know, if anybody watches like serial killer shows and shit, it's very common that that's a thing. You know, Jesus told me to do it. The Bible told me to do it. God told me to kill that, you know, individual, not really making the contrast, but when they say particularly disconcerting individual is they're saying, how far can he take that to? How far can I justify my actions under God's specific guidance? And me, myself, I could take that pretty fucking far. Not to say I would kill somebody, but fuck who knows, other people have done it. Okay, halfway through the page 104, this means that side by side with an earnest prayer, there can be a certain amount of presumption and conceit in us. And you see this a lot, where I would see this a lot is in organized religion, I could see this a lot. And it, I had already chatted about this a little bit. And, you know, th this is one, when it comes to spirituality and this program and spirituality and other, you know, um, I guess other spirituality is that you'll find the clear difference between what we do and what others do is, you know, others will kind of play God as like, you are the puppet master to God. So when negative things happen or things that you don't like, you will will God to what you desire, what you want. And naturally, this is what builds a big divide between the individual and the spirituality aspect. Instead of, you know, me coming to a better realization of God's will for me, right? No matter what happens in my life, Instead of there being big blockades or big divides between this channel, me and, and me and the spirit, you know, there's actually growth, whether it be positive or negative, whether, or even whether I perceive it to be positive or negative. And that's the catch 22 as well. When we talk about, you know, my own thinking being twisted, you know, the insanity, not just being there in regards to the drink, there's a lot of things I perceive in my life at first to be negative. Right. And it turns out to actually be a positive, whether that be from a character standpoint or a wisdom standpoint, experience standpoint. Then also, too, there's things I perceive that, you know, would have would have been positive. 
right? Like, oh, this is the this is the opportunity. This is the opportunity. It doesn't happen. I'm baffled, and then all of a sudden, a better opportunity comes along, right? But I would I fucking swore that that was the opportunity, right? And that's just the perspective. And like Bill says, like not only do I not know, you know, what's good if I don't even know what the fuck's good for myself. I know what's good for you now. Like that's how that works, right? Like I come to the realization that I don't know what's good for me, but now all of a sudden I know what's good for you. From a sponsorship standpoint, it's a little bit different. This individual, you know, has put their faith in me. And so I use specifically this literature and my own experience to guide this individual, right? But even when we talk about my, my spouse or friends, you know, that are close to me or my close family, you know, or individuals that are outside the realm of the spirit uh, and sponsorship. Now I know, right. I don't know for me, but, but I know for them, that's always, that's always caught me. That realization has always really stopped me in my tracks from doing what we've chatted about. All those who have persisted have found strength, not ordinarily their own. They have found wisdom beyond their capability. And they have increasingly found a peace of mind, which can stand firm in the, in the face of difficult circumstances. And this is when we chat about benefits of step 11, this is it. The emotional balance is, is great. Um, but being able to find strength, that's not my own. And I know for a fact that that's not of me. That's not of man. Wisdom beyond their capability and a peace of mind which stands firm no matter what the fuck happens. When it comes to the strength and the wisdom, where I first started seeing that was in my was in my speaking in rooms where I would fucking pray and meditate very diligently um, throughout a meeting. Then I'm asked to share. And then I just fucking share. Like I have... In this meditation, I come with some, come up with some points of what I'm going to share. And I've always said that God kind of fills in the blanks. Um, and then people clap and then I sit down and people say good share and this type of shit. But it's always made me laugh because a majority of what I share is not of my own. There was wisdom that was in that share. Um, I was able to bring up strength. Uh, resolve out of situations in my recovery that was not of my own. And then I sit down and I know it's not of me. And there, you know, people are, you know, good share and blah, blah, blah. And that's always, it's been years of that now. And I still laugh about that. It's almost like a little fucking secret, right? For those who don't understand, because it's, wow, Jess, you know, oh, you know, great. And this, this, that, blah, blah, blah. I don't say anything. I just kind of smile. I think it's still, I think it's still funny because it still happens. But that's where that started for me, was specifically in the sharing, was specifically relying on deep and heavy prayer meditation. Just the, the, main, the main premise of the meditation is to keep self out of it. If I understand self and thought, you know, absolutely destroy me, then I understand in this chair that that will happen. So if I, if I'm asking and meditating for the absence of that, and I get it, then I am getting strength. That's not ordinarily my own. I am getting wisdom that is outside my usual capability. Thank you for tuning into the UDR cast. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. The viewpoints and the opinions expressed today were solely of the individual sharing them. 
If you resonated with this episode, please follow us and share this link with anyone that may benefit from it. Please visit us at billward.life to see everything that we have going on. We can recover one person, one family, one community at a time.